our merciful Savior, we thank you that you are with us and that we are never alone in this world. We thank you for your truth, and we thank you for a community in which to talk about that truth and to embody and practice it. We ask that you would bless our time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we uh, last week, uh, Isaac was out of town um, I think he just slept in or something like that. It has nothing to do with his sister-in-law getting married. And uh, so I stepped in and got through half my Sunday school lesson. Uh, just, I think, so if you weren't here, here's the plan. Uh, I was wrestling with uh, what to do when Isaac's not here to teach Sunday school. And there were some things that I wanted to talk about with the congregation and couldn't figure out uh, the best venue to do that. And so we figured, why don't we just do that during those Sunday schools when Isaac isn't here? Uh, there's some issues that I think would be good to just kind of talk about as a, as a church family. One of those is the mask mandates and how the church responds to those. There's other things like uh, the changing cultural climate and the growing antagonism towards the church. And, and how are we going to process that and how are we going to respond, things like that. There's, there's movements like CRT and things like that that might be helpful to just kind of talk about and, and try to say, you know, is there any validity? What are the problems? What are the concerns? How do we as Christians respond? So um, as, as opportunities afford, I'm going to start kind of tackling some of these. And I, I told you last week uh, that Isaac um, suggests we call them Brett Talks. And um, I think he was kidding, but I couldn't come up with anything better, so that's what they're called. Uh, and I got halfway through the first one last week on on mask mandates, and we, we opened uh, doing a couple things just to review. The first thing I, I did was I spent a little time uh, reminding us that, and trying to set the mood for these conversations, that the Lord tells us that how we talk about things is as important as what we say, say about them. Uh, there... It, we are, we are called to be a people of truth. We are called to seek the truth. But the Lord has also told us that we are to speak the truth in love. And he reminds us that if we have all knowledge, but we do not have love, then we are, <laughs> we are nothing, he says. And so um, what we want to do is, is tackle these tough issues, but with the things the Lord calls us to tackle them with, namely patience, gentleness, respect, and things like that. So that's the first thing I tried to do was kind of set uh, the tone. And then what we got into was uh, I had mentioned that uh, the session has grown and developed as we've considered these things and, and that there are uh, things that we would probably do differently. And um, some rude person over here looking like Gary said, well, what would you have done differently? And I said, give me some time. We'll come back to that. Uh, but wanting to kind of develop or think the things that we think are important to think about and talk about and what we've been wrestling with. But I did say flat out that we should have had this conversation earlier. Um, and so, um, you know, I am, I, I'm sorry for not doing that. We should have. Um, and I am. I think we've, we've, there's a lot of things we could have done better. And... Um, hopefully we will never have a next time to try, but if we do, we will, we'll try to. Um, but I did want to kind of talk through how we've grown, how we've thought about things. And, and the first thing we had addressed uh, last week 
was uh, a subject I had brought up before we went back to meeting in person back in May of 2020. I preached a sermon on Romans 14 and the stronger and the weaker brother. And in that sermon, um, I had identified uh, the stronger brothers as the ones who were okay wearing masks or not wearing masks, and the weaker as the ones who felt the need to wear a mask and said that the stronger should serve the weaker. And and what I've come to realize, and the session has come to realize over the last uh, 18 months or, or whatever, is is that really the stronger brother is the one who, given two options, can do either, and the weaker is given two options, can only do one. And what has become abundantly clear is that, that we have people who can feel constrained to do only one or the other on both sides. And so really we have weaker brother issues on both sides. And, and we've, we've come to realize that. Um, the other issue that constantly gets thrown around is the issue of fear. You, you, we hear this a lot, you know, why, don't be driven by fear. And, what, and, and, you know, the Bible says don't, don't be afraid. And, and we tried to do two things. One was, identify first what kind of fear the Bible forbids. The Bible doesn't forbid all fear. The Bible commands the fear of God. That came up quickly. But we also talked about how um, there are, are, are certain things that, that God has given us a natural fear of for our protection, uh, fear of heights. This is why you should wear a harness and a cable uh, because of a healthy fear of gravity. If you were going to be working 150 feet off the ground, might be wise. Uh, we, we have relative fear. We, we, we fear uh, being in an accident without a seatbelt more than being in an accident with a seatbelt. So we choose to wear the seatbelt. Those kinds of things aren't sinful fear. They're relative fear. The fear the Bible forbids is, is fear of man that keeps you from doing something God has commanded. And so that's what we wanted. So, and, the, and the simple fact is we all have fears. Uh, some have fears of, of getting sick from COVID. Some people have fears of uh, losing personal freedom, civil liberties. Some people have fear of uh, not getting the vaccine. Some people have fears of getting the vaccine. And what we want to do is say, okay, are these relative fears or are these fears that are keeping you from obeying God's word? Because if those fears keep you from treating your fellow Christians well, then that's a paralyzing fear, and that's not good. So those are some things we want to wrestle with, and just stop saying that, that as we discuss these things, there's, there's some people who are afraid and others who aren't, because I have yet to meet somebody who truly isn't afraid of any of the issues. Um, so let's, let's be patient and bring those to the Lord. So that's what we talked about last week. Got through about half the outline. You can see we got through, um, uh, yeah, Half, well, not even, the way it's written, like a third, but really in, in material, about half. Um, but of course, you know where the conversation goes from here. Where does it go from here? Okay, if we've talked about stronger and weaker brothers, if we've talked about uh, fears and, and what it means to be driven by fear and things like that, what's the next part of the conversation that usually crops up? How we relate to the government. To the government. That's right. Um, what does it mean to obey our governing authorities? What's at stake here? What passages are people thinking of? Hmm? Romans 13? Yes. Um, I would actually quote two others first because there are different approaches about whether Romans 13 is dealing with civil authorities or religious authorities. 
Um, but there are some other passages that there is no debate on that. Um, uh, so there's 1 Peter 2, uh, verses 13 and 14. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. And then, of course, there's... Anybody else know Matthew 22, 17 to 21? Some people came to him and said, Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a coin, a denarius, and Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And so so Jesus says, Yes, there are appropriate um, submission and and, uh, uh, taxes and things like that to be given to the federal government. So he's, he's saying, Don't neglect your duties. And so these are the passages. And, and so many Christians are wrestling with how does this apply to the mask mandates and Sunday morning worship specifically. Now, um, remembering everything that we started at the beginning with gentleness, love, patience, and all of those things, I'm going to open up. Uh, what do you think? Do these commands apply? See a lot of blank stares, and that's okay. I think it's a very fair question, but I think it's a good question. Um, what I don't believe is that there's a simple answer. And to see this, all you have to do is realize that when it comes to mask mandates, people on both sides of the issue, pro and against, you know, for and against, both appeal to these passages. In other words, these aren't the favorite passages of some and, and ignored by others. They're both appealed to as the basis of their, their, their position. There are some who say, how is that possible? Before I, before I say how it's possible, Mr. Charles. Mm-hmm. The way that it can be approached from both sides is is how you understand the civil authority either being legitimate or not legitimate. Okay. So there is a there might be a God instituted this and we need to just obey. And there is yes, God instituted this, but as soon as they stop, as soon as they start calling evil good and good evil, then we obey God rather than men, and they're illegitimate. So okay. There's, there's two sides. Right. So, so let's start on one side is um, virtually all Christians recognize that there are limits to what a, 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 a ruler can say. Right. So you go to Acts 4, 3 or 4, Gary, where Peter is commanded to stop preaching. 4? 4. And... Uh, they say, you must stop preaching. And he says, well, you decide whether we should obey man or God. Like, in this regard, this is the same Peter who would later write, you know, submit to your authorities. And so 
that same Peter recognizes there's limits. If, 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 if a ruler tells you to stop preaching the word or stop worshiping God, you have to say no. So, so we recognize that, that Corey Ten Boom and, and others like her, by, by refusing to hand Jews over to the Nazis, they are honoring the Lord because, because rulers do not have the right to commit murder. Rahab. Rahab recognizes these rulers do not have the right to commit murder, and so I will hide them because you have abdicated your right to know where they are because you're doing wicked, right? Absolutely. So everybody recognizes there's that limit. Now, what we have to be really careful into is, okay, how do we then, you know, is, is you know, we... What what is wicked, right, is is putting a piece of cloth over your mouth, you know, tantamount to killing Jews. And I hope none of us would say yes. Uh, There might be some parallels or something that people want to argue, but we want to be careful that we're not, like, going, you know, that this is, right, okay, so we want to, that's something we have to wrestle with. There's there's another issue as well that people are going to wrestle with. Caleb. Right, and this is really what what pushes things, right, is there are some who would say Governor Inslee said, put these on, therefore we must submit, okay? Uh, And then there are those who say we are governed by a constitution, not a man, uh, and those aren't uh, constitutional mandates, and so we're exempt from them. Okay, and so the question is: In the United States, do, does submitting to the government mean submitting to a man or to a document? Okay, so there's a big question, um, and my goal today is not to solve that question. This is a church, not a civics class. Okay, it's my goal is simply to acknowledge that that is a good and valid question and not without precedent right um, when like the medes uh, and the persians are touted as once a law has been ratified not even the king is above it that's actually praise that's actually god right god once he ratifies a promise can't abrogate his own promise. He doesn't ever put himself above his word in that sense. And obviously, God and his word are the same. Okay, I'm not trying to get into that. But but there is precedent for saying um, a ruler that's not above the law is a good thing. So I, I, I want to be careful that we understand that the Bible... And that's, 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 that's part of our American heritage. And what we're wrestling with is how do you apply these passages about submitting to leaders in our unique context? And that is a very, very legitimate question. Um, there are godly people who love Jesus who will come to different conclusions on that issue. Mm. There are. And, and I can respect those whose conscience say, I want to honor God by submitting to my governor. And I can respect people whose consciences say, I want to honor God by submitting to my constitution. I can respect both of those. Uh, if, if in their conscience before the Lord, as they wrestle with scripture and the unique circumstances of our context, our national context, um, I respect that. I, I really, really do. 
I will say only this. I can almost always predict where someone will land on that question based upon how they already feel about mass. In other words, it, it, it does seem to me that typically, I will not say always, but definitely typically, very few people will answer that question in a way that challenges their position on wearing masks. People who think that everyone should wear masks seem to want to follow a man, at least in our state. And people who don't think we should wear masks seem to believe we follow a constitution. If I may be so bold, I know I never am, but I will be on this one occasion. Yeah, I do. (laughs) It seems that this passage is often quoted to defend a conclusion rather than to come to one. And we need to be careful. We need to be careful. Because that's the tail wagging the dog. It's a good question, and you should wrestle with it. But you should also give grace to those who wrestle with it and come to a different conclusion. Um, Before I move on, any questions, their comments on that issue? Thus the statement, would the real Caesar please stand up? You know, my, my cheeky little outline there. It's, you know, who is the ruler to whom we submit? Is it a document or a man? And that is a very fair and valid question. And, and if you're looking for one, you, you know, single-voiced response from God's people, you're not going to find it. And that's okay. That's Okay. Sure. Yeah, and, and and here's the crazy part. And so Michelle says, you know, struggling with that. Uh, at, with, on one side, there's a, there's anger. On the other side, there was peace, and and that's pretty powerful. It somebody else might experience that in a different way, and there's a lot of things that can go into that. Um, and what we definitely don't want to do is say, because I experienced peace here. Um, I'm going to beat other people over the head to submit to me. But what you do need to remember is, is the Lord says, anything not done in faith is sin. <laughs> and if, you're, if, you, if you can't come to that point, then, the, then the, Lord, you know, the Lord's saying, you need to be careful and you need to slow down. Um, and, and so that's key right there, right? Absolutely. Um, yes, Brendan. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to Yeah, I'm going to go there in just a minute. But and and um and that's really kind of getting into the next area, but here it's just kind of saying, look, 
I'm not going to go to any of my Christian brothers and sisters who come down on, on different conclusions on that and say, you don't love Jesus, you're not submitting to his word. I will ask them what drove you to that. Maybe wrestle together, but um, uh, there are things at which we have to be comfortable with the reality that people have good arguments for different things. And if they're, if they're, if they're submitting to God's word and their conscience, then we need to give some freedom. Anybody here believe anything that they disagreed with five years ago? Anybody develop anything in the last five years? Okay. The rest of you, where have you been? Like, are you, are you growing at all? <laughs> no, uh, we're always changing. And th- there's things that we, we might hold with total conviction. And the more we study God's word, that conviction. And then we, what we do is we sometimes get really upset that other people aren't where we're at today, missing that we're going to be someplace else in five or ten years. And, and we do, do need to kind of slow down a little bit and say, okay. Praise the Lord that you're reading God's word, you're praying, and you're wanting to submit, and you're not wanting to violate your conscience. Those are good things. Okay. Things get even more dicey, though, when it comes to Sunday worship. Any thoughts on what I mean by that? Why do things get more dicey? Jonathan. Mm-hmm. This was civil magistrate trying to regulate forum worship. Pretty much everyone seemed to think that was crossing a line. <laughs> yeah. Everything short of that, you will get wildly different things. Right. So, so what Jonathan's recognizing is that, that we all seem to recognize there's a line at which the government can't cross uh, when it comes to worship. You will preach X, right? Um, and, and we see temptation. We see other countries that do this, and we see things trying to move to that, right? Certain things are going to be classified as hate speech or whatever. I'm going to preach the Bible, period. Um, and I know that the day I stop, you will all <laughs> seek my, dispar- my departure, and I am grateful for that. Um, I get that, and that's, that's, how, that's how it should be. Um, and that there are other things, you know, here's what you may or may not do in worship, saying or not saying and things like that. And, and so we need to wrestle with whether or not the government or the constitution has the right to set restrictions on, on what we do in worship and even what it takes to enter into worship. Okay. Those are the... Absolutely. So you have that issue besides all the peripheral things and the government dictating. So right, and so, right, and so let me kind of piece that out a little bit, right? Gary's like, but here's the problem. You have Christians with polarizing issues. And that's true, and you have churches with very different practices. And, and I do want to constantly 
drive home that this is what our session is wrestling with. This is where our session is at. We're not trying to disparage or challenge any other church's decisions. What we're trying to do is say, here's what we're trying to do in our context. But you're right. Within our context, we have people within our congregation who have different convictions. How do we as one body love and serve each other with that reality? And that's what we're constantly wrestling with. And so that's what we want to try to put together. Now, there's a subject that has long been discussed, and it's sometimes referred to as sphere sovereignty. Okay. Uh, Anybody ever heard this language before? Okay. Other than Charlie and Gary? Okay. Okay. You better have Isaac. Okay. Uh, so, um, Abraham Kuyper, uh, wrote a book. Well, actually he gave lectures at Princeton seminary called the stone lectures. It was like 1906 or something like that. Uh, and it became a book called lectures on Calvinism. And it's a good book. It's, it's totally worth the read. It's, it's still as helpful today as it was 115 years ago. Um, but Kuyper is an interesting fellow or was he's, no longer with us on this earth. Um, Kuiper was a pastor. He was the president of a college. And he was later the prime minister of the Netherlands. So like uh, our equivalent of the president of the United States, right? Renaissance man. Um, so he wrestled with all these kinds of questions, relationship of the church and the state, because he's had leadership in both. And... He um, wrote, writes these lectures, which become a book, and the premise is that God's creation is broken up into different aspects of life, uh, different spheres, right? Um, and that there are proper authorities within each one, and they're not to cross their boundaries. Now, there's three major spheres. Anybody want to guess what they are? Church, state, and home. Absolutely. Bingo. So, Sarah's clearly read the book. Um, fantastic. Church, state, and home. So you've got the civil sphere, the state. It's your national life. It's ruled by leaders. Uh, in some societies, they are elected. In others, it's passed on through family. Uh, and some, the, the ruler is above the law. and others, the law is above the ruler. Um, but their job, those rulers' job, is to uh, rule civic life uh, protect its people. Uh, it has the power to tax. It has the power to draft for the military, and so on. This family sphere is ruled by three-year-olds. No, I'm kidding. Um, the, the family life is ruled by parents. Um, and uh, they make their decisions for their children. In other words, the government has no say in what you read to your children, what you teach your children about God. And, and if they try, you have every right to reject because they're trying to do something that's not theirs. And this is getting at what, what Jesus says. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. There are certain things that are Caesar's, the rulers, and there are certain things that are God's. And he would also say certain things that are the parents. And you don't render to the parents... Or you don't render to Caesar what is the parents. You don't render to Caesar what is God's. And so on. Um, That home sovereignty should be respected. Now, does that mean a parent can do anything they want to their child? 
No, because the government's job is to protect all its citizens. And if that child's in danger, legitimate danger, then it's the state's right and prerogative because, to protect its citizens because God has given it to them. The same is true within the church. The First Amendment is a recognition. It does not grant this right. It is a recognition of this right. There's a big difference there. With or without the First Amendment, worship is to be freely exercised by God's people. With or without, God says, you worship me as I commanded you. Deuteronomy 12, 31 and 32. Right? God doesn't say, if it's okay with your rulers, worship me. He does not say, if it's okay with your rulers, preach my word. He does not say, if it's okay with your rulers, sing my praises. Right? Those are things we have to be willing to do whether or not. The First Amendment, fortunately, recognizes that. It does not grant it. The state leaders... And when I say state, I'm using this in a more broad term than our country is broken into states. I mean, generically, the civil government are not leaders inside these doors. Um, that doesn't mean we are free to commit murder because we're you know, outside the... Their job, again, is to protect all their citizens. And if we're doing something... Uh, legitimately, like damaging, uh, or whatever that that's that's their their prerogative. But um, but it means that worship is not to be regulated by the state. The church regulates worship. Who may enter? Who may not? Whether we sing and what we sing. <laughs> Hands are going up. Yes. Yeah. Second, that's my question. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. It is contextually appropriate, right? So the question is, okay, what if the argument is being used? You're you're harming their citizens and things like that. And again, um, we at some point are going to have to exercise our judgment on whether that's valid. Because the same argument will be used in addressing transsexuality, homosexuality. They will say that that's hate speech and it's harming people. And we have to say, eh, no. No, that's harming, telling them that these things are okay is harming them. And we are going to disagree and we are not going to submit. So at some point, we, we do have to use our judgments whether or not that argument is being rightly applied. Okay? And maybe even recognizing a motif in the governance as a whole. Because obviously that sort of mentality is at least maybe not restricted to certain areas as we've seen. Like that, those conclusions are related because they've come back to a presupposition. Right. And so... Let me, let me, without wanting to wander down into um, critiques or praises of current administrations and things like that, what I, I simply want to put down is it's one thing to acknowledge a principle. It's another thing to say, how is it rightly applied? 
because this goes back to, we all acknowledge the principle, submit to the government. The, the, what we're wrestling with is what's the right application. Um, person, constitution, in worship, out of worship, right? These are, these are the, how we're applying it. We all acknowledge the principle that the government's job is to protect people from uh, murder, theft, and things like that. That argument might be used in legitimate ways and in less legitimate ways, and we have to wrestle with, is that really what's going on, or is there something else, and, and what are we going to do about it? So, And that's, that's a tough one, and we might not all come down to the same conclusion. And that's, again, we're going to go back and say, we're wrestling with the right questions, even if we don't come to the same conclusion on them. Okay? Um, if one church, in other words, says, um, we're going to submit to this because we believe that that's within their right to protect the citizens, okay, you've wrestled with that. Another church says, that's a different application than has ever been understood by what it means to protect its citizens, that no one here is wielding knives or things like that at each other and punching each other in the face, that, that we just don't, we just think that's a, then I'm going to say, okay, you've wrestled with it, right? So we're going to have to allow, those are the right questions, even if we don't come to the same answers. Everybody's going to get really tired of me saying that. Mm-hmm. And if you talk yeah. that type of thing in the context of the church, folks, that isn't what you're going to get out there. No. There's going to be people who disagree vehemently. Oh, yeah, you're always going to have people who disagree with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, of course, I, I, so let me just try to kind of follow this train through real quick. So when it says to render to Caesar things that are Caesar's, Jesus is acknowledging that there are things that aren't Caesar's. Things that rulers have a, right, a rightful statement in and things that they don't. And governments will sometimes recognize that and sometimes deny that. Um, it falls on the session to make those decisions when it comes to gathering for worship. And that doesn't mean that it, it falls on us arbitrarily. That means that it doesn't mean that we're sovereign and can say anything we want. We are subject to God's word. We are subject to the Bible. What we have to do is wrestle with the Bible and, and seek to apply it as best as we can to this congregation. Not the congregation down the street, not the congregation down the freeway, or this congregation, and say, "Here's the best we can do for our church in our circumstances." And, and we're not, gonna, and we are not going to say, "This is what we've come to." We're not going to say to our congregation, "If you're not comfortable wearing a mask, you're not welcome in worship." We're not willing to draw that line. That's just not a line we're willing to draw. We don't think that's a barrier to worship that God would have us make. And where, yes, we are convinced it would be a barrier. We are convinced um, that would be too much for some. And that is certainly not a precedent we want to set because what happens if next year the government says you may not go to worship if you're not vaccinated? We believe it would be wrong for us to put those barriers to God's people coming into worship. Um, neither would we be okay forbidding Mass and saying, if you're going to be here, you may not. If we saw people shaming other people for wearing masks, we would address that as sin. Uh, 
we want to give people as much freedom as possible within the parameters of God's word to be in worship with God's people, to hear his word, to sing his praises, and to receive his sacraments. Look, there are enough barriers in life for enough things that we don't need to create. So I had a professor once who said, look, God has picked enough fights for us. Let's not pick ones he hasn't. It's like, oh, what a brilliant statement, right? Um, We remain convinced that agreement on mass is not what matters. How we treat those with whom we disagree is what matters. Again, I recognize this is where we have ended up. I recognize that we, we didn't meet in person uh, for 10 Sundays. I recognize that when we did, we met only outside. And, and we uh, didn't require mass, but we certainly encouraged it. I recognize all those things. It didn't last long. But I want you to want you to know what we're thinking and where we've been growing and what we've been talking about. It's, it's um, we don't just throw darts at a board. You know, these are the things we're wrestling with. Um, I want you to understand how we've arrived where we have. We're not trying to claim perfection. We're not trying to claim ours is the only way. Uh, we are certainly not trying to judge other churches that make different decisions. We're simply trying to lead this church uh, well, <laughs> weller. Um, we're trying to honor the Lord and do our best to serve those in our midst who have different convictions. Um, that's what led us to offer a second service for a while. That if, if you're not comfortable uh, being around people who aren't wearing masks, then, then we will meet you there and we will offer a context in which that can take place and you can be with God's people in worship and, and so on. Um, it's why we offered Zoom for quite a while until you know th- those who wanted vaccines could get them and whatnot. Um, for those who weren't comfortable being with others until they got the vaccine, we just said, okay, how can we minister to them? We get, you know, we're trying to do that because that's what we, we believe the Lord would have us do. That's why. That's what drove it. Um. I'm just going to, I guess, man, clocks go, clocks go fast. I think I'm going to leave questions and comments for the end because I want to say a couple things. I, I, actually, I am a- answering a question. So what would we do differently, right? That's the question. And it's a difficult question. Obviously, you can see how some things have changed, and that, that in some ways is an answer enough. I think there are a few things that are clear, um, I don't think we would present an expectation of mass since we're not presenting an expectation of mass. We're leaving that up to the individual conscience. Uh, I do think we would have communicated more clearly sooner. And again, I apologize. But there are things um, that we haven't discussed, if this happens again, that I can only speculate on because... um, it, it really would matter. It's like, okay, in light of what we learned, how are we going to do with this? If I, if another absolute lockdown happened or something like that, I don't think we'd suspend worship, though we'd certainly make accommodations for those who weren't comfortable being here. But that's that's my guess. That's uh, again, I, session. Um, we probably wouldn't feel the need to worship only outside, but to wrestle with those things. Um, we loved and enjoyed it. I loved being outside. That was glorious. But um, uh, 
And quite frankly, if it had rained, we would have come in. But we were, we were doing our best to, to um, make accommodations. But, so those are, those are some possibilities. I mean, I think there's some sure things, and then there's some possible things. So, but I think at this point, I'm far more interested in how we are thinking, how our thinking has developed, how we've seen things more clearly, and kind of how we've gotten to where we are, if, if that's... Yeah. Okay, uh, well, I'm about to go into just a couple of final thoughts. Uh, so. Just a thought on doing the morning earlier service as an accommodation. Do you think, or does anybody on the session think that that did anything towards the dispositions of the two, the two groups in the church that were already maybe feeling a little... Okay, so did that help unite or did it help divide, right, is the question. Uh, doing two services. Look, um, at, at the end of the day, you can't guarantee people's responses, right? You can only say, uh, all right, this is, um, I get this all the time in counseling, right? I tried that pastor and it didn't work, right? And what's the, it's, I, I did what you said to do based upon God's word, yeah, once, <laughs> half a time, uh, but the other person didn't respond well, so therefore it doesn't work. Okay, we can't affect how people respond, we can only say, so what we could say is we knew some people wouldn't feel comfortable being in worship unless, so what can we do to make them comfortable and get them back? If, if, if people, without stomping on other people's consciences, and so if, if people respond poorly to that, there's not a lot we can do. If another, if other, if, in other words, and I don't mean to be overly simplistic, but sometimes it seems like people are saying, look, if they don't want to be with us in this way, then they shouldn't be anywhere. It's like, well, that's awfully self-serving. Not that I ever heard that comment, but if that's how people feel, that's incredibly self-serving. Um, I don't think that's what taking up your cross <laughs> and laying down your life for others looks like. Right, but if somebody says, for this time, yeah. right? Again, going back to, I, I think some fears are very legitimate. I think it's really easy for somebody who has no respiratory, no heart issues, no, you know, say, what's the big deal? And somebody else going, I want to survive this thing, right? Um, uh, if, if somebody's going through chemotherapy or whatever, and they have like zero, you know, white blood cells, and, and they decide to stay home from worship that Sunday, I'm not going to be like, where's your faith? I'm like, I get it. Love you, and I will see you next week or in two weeks or in three weeks or in three months. I get it. Um, and so what we don't want to do is, again, just say, if you're not where I am at, then, then that's not the other person's issue. That's not the church's issue. That's your heart. If you can't say... If that's where you're at and you're, you're honest before the Lord and, and, and this has been provided, praise the Lord. If you can't rejoice with those who rejoice, then, then I don't think it was the, our solution that was the problem. Yeah. Um, Michelle has something she wants to say. She didn't raise her hand, but she gave me that look. Please finish your final comment. All right. I just want to point out a few dangers that I think we need to avoid. 
we don't want to become a hyphenated church. I, I talked about this years ago. Uh, churches that become so identified with an issue that they're known by it. This is the homeschool church, right? This is the anti-this or the pro-that church, right? Um, we don't want to become the mask church, and we don't want to become the anti-mask church. That shouldn't define us. Uh, if it does, we have lost sight of the weightier things. Um, and we've lost sight of Jesus. What we want people to look back and say is, there was a church that had some very big differences within it, and man, they loved each other. That's what we want people to say. Uh, if we're going to be hyphenated, let us be the, the love church or the Jesus church or something like that. Um, that means we need to be careful to make those who disagree with us about masks or vaccines or something like that as comfortable as possible with us. If they think that you don't want them in worship because of their stance on masks or something like that, then there's a problem. And that means we have to guard our language at church. And it means guarding it everywhere. Um, that doesn't mean you can't talk about those things. In other words, that's not a gag order. That's not a stop having an opinion. But can we do it with love? Can we do it with grace? Can we do it with gentleness? Can we make sure that people know that if they have a different position than us, that we would love nothing more than to sit down with them on Sunday morning and sing praises to our God? And so that means not vilifying those who come to a different conclusion. Can we admit that we care about others and they care about others? Can we admit that we have fears and they have fears? Can we admit that they're doing the best they can to make decisions and we're doing the best that we can to make decisions? Can we give our Christian brothers and sisters the benefit of the doubt that they're trying to honor the Lord every bit as much as we are? That would be a glorious thing. I think if we do those things better, we'll, we'll remember that the great divide is not between the masked and the unmasked, but between those who have been washed in the blood and those who haven't. And if we do that, I believe Jesus will be honored. That's where we're headed. Yeah. We're all gone. Yeah, go ahead. A couple of comments or questions real quick. So, uh, um, you know what? You're not going to be a member for a couple of minutes, so you don't get... No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Matt, Matthew asked, how are we doing? Depends on the day. Depends on the conversation. I think I've seen some things go well, and I've seen some things that have just broken my heart. Um, we get impassioned when we get scared, and we talk loudly. Um, and when other people are scared, they hear those loud words as anger at them. Um, calling people sheeple, calling, you know, uh, things like that, devastating. Uh, blanket statements that make it sound like anybody who disagrees with me is an idiot, devastating. Uh, I think we need to learn how to say things more like I personally um, don't want to be forced to do this any more than I would want to force anybody else to do what I want. Those kinds of statements, I think, are, are more helpful. Um, I'll defend your right to do something different than I would. <laughs> those, those are 
and, and if we can talk about why I've come to that decision, I think learning to ask people, what led you to that? You know, I'd, lo- I'd love to just understand and not feel the need to counteract every argument with what you've read that morning on your six blogs would be fine. Um, so it depends on the day. Um, I've seen some things that have made me excited and some things that have made me sad. I've done things that I've been ashamed of and things I haven't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is God's house. This is where we are at. This is our oasis in the wilderness. Right. We're all in the weary land. And it's the one time in the week that yeah. most of us get to come in and actually enjoy each other's image of Christ in each other. Yeah. You know, and it might just be being wise to just say, I would much rather talk about this with you. Yeah. And, and I think that what a lot of people are looking for is, is a refuge from that yeah. on Sunday. Absolutely. Michelle, did you have one final? I'll give you the final. I'm going to go back to my first comment, which would have been, I think your congregation is growing and thinking over these last 18 months or so. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't think it's just the session. I think we all are, and praise the Lord. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I do think we are. But just wanted to have this open conversation and just say, hey, here's what we're wrestling with, and and notice that I didn't refrain from saying, and here's the way things we can respond. It wasn't simply a narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to close this in prayer. Merciful Savior, we, we thank you that you are wiser than us, more gracious than us, and that you aren't scared. You aren't shocked. We ask that you would grant us the grace to love as you have loved, to think as you think. And that when people look at our church, they would see a people willing to repent of their sins, a church eager to love those who come to different conclusions, and that when they ask how to best categorize our church, it would be a church that loves you and loves others. May that be true of us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.